I'm interrupting this intro for a breaking announcement. The Bigfoot print collected in Alaska in June 2019, latitude and longitude known to Frank Galley and David D., his Bigfoot hunting guide. Soil PSI compression testing has indicated a possible rate range between 330 kilograms and 369 kilograms, likely a semi-mature to in-prime male squatch. Elevation was recorded at 458 meters, possible scat pile located 50 meters from site, including localized birch was denuded of changa, changa, a lot of that stuff, chaga, whatever it is, they like it. Up to 3.3 meters above the ground, scat contained woody chaga remnants as well as spruce beetle larvae. They got a lot of spruce beetle issues up there right now. The items of interest included wild cranberries were found in the scat, even though local cranberries are not in season currently. This would indicate some stockpiling or caching of previous year's crops, noted abscess of indigenous proteins. That is your Bigfoot update. Because I was out there, I got the, I got the gauntlet thrown down with me. All right, so right before I go to Alaska, I get this message from my buddy Joe Callie out there. He, he, he was under a little bit of the weather there, had to go in the hospital. And right before he went in for a surgery, he was all telling, you know, that, yeah, I'm okay at Bigfoot, but Joe's a little better. He's been out there doing it. You know, Joe knows what's going on when it comes to Bigfoot. So he threw a special note out to me, which I appreciate. And Joe, hope your recovery's going well. I, I know you had a little bit of a fall, but, um, you know, it, it, you'll, you'll get over and get past it. You're a strong guy, and, and we look forward to seeing you out in the field. But recognize, Joe, while you're out there having some gourmet hospital food and threatening to go all John Wick on the uh, doctors and nurses if they messed up your surgery, I was out in the bush, man. I, I was putting boots on the ground. Like they say on Oak Island, right? You watch the uh, Curse of Oak Island. It's all about boots on the ground, and, and, and that's what it takes, man. And I got a great guide up in Alaska, David D. David D. knows where to find it, how to find it, you know. And he was able to hone me right in in the shadow of Denali over there. It's a pretty active area. You know, what can I say? There's a lot of Bigfoot stuff going on. The downside is the heavy rain, the flooding, the swamps. You know, we run into problems with the water. I mean, a lot of water out there. Um, but the animals are plenty. You know, the habitat's vast. It's hard to find things, and, and we really think we, we got down to something. Then come the end of the week, uh, I'm not going to tell you what, what exactly is going on, but it's being looked at. It's being researched. We're, 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 we're moving forward. Okay, that's the slow part, the scientific side of it. Now, from my own limited experience, I'm going to tell you that Bigfoot's a heel-toe walker. That's why he's so slow or so quiet. Not slow, but quiet. He's fast because he's got long legs. But anyway... We had a great time up in Alaska. Uh, really appreciate all the guys who came out for class. It was a ton of fun. A lot of learning went on. Uh, I mean, we, we got this down to a, a pretty good science. You heard some of the after actions with Mark and everything. We just so busy. And then at the end of the week, we had a uh, kind of a um, more of a .gov class. So, you know, it wasn't something where we would pull those guys in to talk. But I want to talk about that. I mean, this is the... Alaska, June 2019 after action report, lessons learned, okay? And, and there was some big lessons learned 
on the student side, you know, on the civilian student side, I think things moved really well. We saw some great shooting. I'll edit that out. Damn telephone ring. Nobody's supposed to be calling here. So uh, back from Alaska, like I said, and um, the civilian side, we didn't have to swap out any rifles. We had some really good luck with stuff, but then we went to the dot glove class. And, and I want to kind of talk about that a little bit and not in specifics, but more in how I believe, and it's not these guys' fault, man. These guys are out there seeking instruction. Their team leaders are really proactive. Where do we run into the problem? Their equipment. You, you got guys in the wilds of Alaska, and these guys are out in the bush, okay? This is not like we're dealing with Anchorage City guys or something like that. These are guys that cover the entire state. They're all over the place, and they're, there's we use tactical rifles for a reason. You know what I mean? We're, we're out there, and we invest the money. I mean, it's here why I talk AI, okay? It's supposed to be bulletproof. And in my mind, they were let down by their equipment because of commands. And this is something to take away for you guys, um, especially if you're LE. And, and like I said, I know Kalen and, and stuff, and, and he texted me. I got to figure out what episode I gave him a shout out that he brought this up before about two weeks ago or so, probably a little more since then. But, you know, there's one thing to seek out this training and to do different things on that side of it. But there's another thing to have your equipment be so far down the food chain that it lets you down. And the rifles really aren't the the, the big negative in the bolt action side. Because they're using 700s and they got tacticals. You know, they had LTRs. These were old. The rifles they were using was one of the first rifles I bought out of the Marine Corps. Probably around 92. Okay, because I got an SSG 69 and 90. And then the next rifle I got was a Remington LTR. And these were the same Remington LTRs that I had bought in around 92. In itself is not so bad because the Remington's a pretty, you know, bulletproof system, you know, from that era and, and what you're doing, right? It's a 700. But. It was paired with a 92 to 96 Mark IV. Okay, mixed turrets. We tested one, and it only tracked to 89%. Because we, we, they weren't responding. You know what I mean? When, when we're, we're doing the class, we're going back and forth. It's a little steel, little paper, little steel, little paper. And when we come back, they're nowhere near zero. They're nowhere near repeatable. So we pulled the time out. We pulled a bunch of them. And we said, listen, um, you know, let's tall target test them. So we go down range. We set everything up. We got our, we got our fixture there. 89%. You know, the average was about 5 8% off. And then... Like, they had a brand new night force on one of them, a 4 to 16. Wasn't responding, wasn't working. And I got to say, it's the vertically split rings they were using. They were using a big, heavy set of vertically split rings. And this, it, it, didn't, it didn't respond, you know. Um, and so, 
it's really tough, especially because Mark stayed over and Friday I came back. Mark was there Friday with them because they have a qual. And I really like these guys had an excellent qual that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, a standard for, for you all. And I can kind of translate that to something you guys can do to think about, to, to gauge yourself. I used to look at it where, you know, when we worked down at Rifles Only, when we were doing the competitions, and I'm really kind of, my brain is broke on comps right now. You know, just seeing what's going on and the whole thing. You guys get it. I've already mentioned it a bunch. So the validation would come from comps. You train, you do this, you go to a competition that has practical application stuff, and it validates your training. But now you can buy equipment, you can buy a hit, you know, you can go heavy, light, you know, mix them, a heavy rifle, light caliber, all the fancy Gucci equipment, you know, put the bags on. I'll tell you right now, and I talked with all these guys and showed them, they are not going to carry a seven-pound war horse, even though it would do them really well and they saw the difference. They're backcountry guys. They're out there. It needs to be dual use for them. I get it. They're smaller. There's the Game Changer Pint. There's the taffy. There's some of these other bags that are smaller. But then again, some of these guys, you know, are off their or out of their vehicles, off their feet, and they have to trek in. And so it's a different thing. So quals, it kind of brought me back around to quals because I was I've seen quals in the past that were just terrible. I mean, I remember, you know, the men in black qual. It was it was from World War II, you know, it was from 1947. And it was based on an M1 carbine, not even a Garand, an M1 carbine. And it was shot inside 100 yards. And then you had these guys with brand new equipment, Mark 11s, things like that. And they're running a same qual in the 2000s that was established in the 50s and 60s. You know what I mean? And so these guys had a real practical qual. It, at 100, it was a minute and a half, 200 a minute and a half, 300 a minute and a half. And then they did a uh, full size, their, their, you know, their full size, uh, uh, yeah, qual target at four, five, and six. So they're pushing these guys out to 600 yards. And to me, that's a great qual. Now, the downside for them on this qual was equipment. And the biggest letdown that I had for them is their AR platforms. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Um, too, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get into that, but tactical rifles, man, you're giving an officer, an agent, whatever the case may be, a, a, a platform to go into harm's way that, you know, it could be raining, it could be snowing, it could be nastiness. This stuff has to perform under some of the harshest conditions. Think about, I mean, you know, let's just, just, just imagine this guy's got to work and he's got an issue around Denali there. You, you, if you go on Facebook and you see the pictures I post and all that, because we're right, you can see coming up the road right in front of us, not too far away, we have Denali. And it's still covered in snow. People are up there. There's plane crashes. There's, you know, climbers getting stuck. There's a lot of things that go on in that backcountry. Remember, every second car in Alaska is an airplane. So these guys got to fly from point A to point B. And a lot of these guys are pilots, you know. So now you're going to put them out there 
with a 1992 LTR. And don't get me wrong, I shot one of them. We weren't sure if it was the rifle I shot a group. I shot a quarter-minute group with it. And it's just that dialing it didn't work. Well, what are the odds that those guys up there are going to be taking a 52-yard shot or a 56-yard shot or a 75-yard shot? No, they're probably going to be closer to that 250, you know? And if it's not responding in there's conditions your 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 tactical rifle should be a tactical rifle a rifle that performs on command under the harshest conditions imaginable for your area and i just feel that these guys were getting let down and hopefully they can go back to command with some data some information and to be able to say Hey, you know, um, we, we measured this and 89% off. It's a broke scope, basically. And this is a guy deploying with it. And, you know, they don't know because you're, it's part of it is the training is failing you as well because a lot of the training doesn't push the system to its extremes to see how it's going to respond. I mean, one group that we had, we had two, actually technically three different groups within the one class. And group one had a little bit more modern equipment, but I don't agree with what was specced for him. I know the guy who did it. He's a douche. And, um, you know, it's a little underpowered, but it still was decent equipment. They were using a Horus, and I had him dial it, hold, dial, hold. Make sure you double check all your settings and when you shoot in on a target and dial it and hit, then take all that information off the scope and then use your hold and make sure there's no distortion in the lenses. I mean, they got inversion layers up there with the moisture in the air. And we talked about this last year, Snell's Law, S-N-E-L-L, Snell's Law. That's where the light messes with people, but it's not the light. It's the humidity, it's the moisture content in the air, it's creating a, a thick layer at ground level that we're trying to shoot through that's moving the image of the object. And it is affected by the sunlight. It's affected by the moisture content. And we've noticed it will hang really low because it's slightly colder there. You know, it was gorgeous weather. We had great weather the whole time. But it's like 60, 65 degrees, so it's still throughout the day will hold that air down low. And you got to now shoot through it. And there's really no math formula to say, okay, it's this much, this, that. You just don't know until you've already shot it and look. But it, it, it it can conflict when your equipment doesn't match up. So you have to know the difference. If I hold over, what's it going to do? If I dial, what's it going to do? But the most important part is making sure that your um your equipment is up to the task, that you can see the result of your shot, that your fundamentals are good. Because if you do have this inversion layer, we've seen this inversion layer cause a half mil at a thousand yards of variation. Like one shot hits, the next shot's a half mil over its head. And it's just the sun came out and peaked around a cloud and now there's no clouds and Next thing you know, it's like, bam. And so 
I, it, it's really, really important that you guys uh, who, who are doing this job stay on top of your equipment. I, and not to the degree the game guys are, but to the degree this is your tool, right? If, if you broke a handle on your screwdriver, if you pulled the rubber off your Klein pliers, right, your linemen's, you'd replace it. And this stuff is just, it's got to be looked at in the same way that a city maintenance worker would look at his tools. Okay, I guarantee if we go downtown and you go to a city maintenance worker, that guy's got some decent stuff on his belt to keep the air conditioning working, you know? And yet they're going to deploy a guy in the field in a life or death situation and his stuff is just ancient. I mean, 92 to 96. Oh, man. And then, you know, that brings me to the ARs. Because then some of them were running some AR platforms. And I'm all about it. I, I'm, I love the AR platform. But if you're going to have a working gun AR, it's got to be pretty high up the food chain. You can't have a 16-inch CRT-type knockoff, Rock River, you know, pencil-thin barrel. You're trying to use this AR not as a battle rifle. I know they want to... They want it to be sort of patrol rifle-ish. But that's a 5.56. Five, that's your ACOG on it. And there were, they had them there, you know. But then these were their 308s. And, like, the one had a 4-16 to 16 Night Force on it. But it's, it's not a DMR gun. If you're going to have a crossover, it should be at the bottom line. A bottom line DMR semi-auto should be like a SIG DMR, the 716, right? The 716 DMR. To me, that would be the least amount of money you should spend. You need a full hand guard because you want that bipod up there. You need a little heavier barrel than a patrol barrel. You need a, 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 a decent stock in the back, like a PRS, that you can actually get a proper length of pull and cheek weld with. Okay, I, I'm not even sweating the triggers. I mean, I, I'm happy with a factory trigger, two-stage. That's not a problem. But the problem is that the they have six-inch hand guards, 16-inch barrels. They, you know, it, it's just trying to do too much without understanding the mission, without understanding the equipment and the limitations. You know, these solicitations that you're saying this guy is going to be taking out a shot. Even, like I said, 250, 300. That's a struggle with some of these guys with these ARs they're giving them because they're not designed for the job. They're designed for across the room. And the only difference is they give them a bigger caliber and that kind of makes it worse. You know, it's going from a patrol rifle in 5.56 to an almost identical rifle that they're supposed to be using as a DMR rifle in 308. And now they're expecting them to push the range out from inside a hunter to their qual. Like I said, their qual goes to six. And, you know, it was to me, they, the guys didn't let themselves, you know, the guys stood up, man. The guys worked their ass off. And the guns let them down that it never did the same thing twice. You know? And it's just like, damn, how are you supposed to dial in 
on a three, 400 yard, you know, even a, a four and a half inch target at 300. When the scopes go in an inch low at 100, dialing up, dialing back, and then it's going like an inch high and to the left at three. And that's not you. That's not the wind. That's the equipment you're using that's throwing that off. And to me, it's just like, damn, man. Somebody needs to like really kind of go out there. And and, and this goes back to sort of Kalen's thing, you know, with, oh, rear bag is a crutch. Oh, all you need is this. All you do, you know, and they're like still stuck in the fucking 90s. Holy cow, guys, get your head out of your ass. And I don't mean the guys we had in class. I mean the ones that are promoting this stuff. You know what I mean? That there's there's groups out there that are looking down their nose because somebody picked up a, a, a new custom rifle. Like, you know, I had heard stories. Mark Suley called me one time. Spartan Precision, right, out of California. And Mark built a set of guns for a team. Mark builds a hell of a stick. It looks very similar to Terry Cross ones, uses the same KMW stock. He's got good actions. They're, they're you know, OEM Defiance in decent Bartland barrels. He's putting on the device, everything that he needs, right? It's a tactical rifle. And because it's not whatever, it, they look down this, their nose at him. Why'd you do that? Why'd you spend your money on that? That's the wrong attitude, man. That's the wrong mindset. It's a mix. Half the crew had mills. Most of the crew had MOA. The MOA is not responding correctly. And let's get everybody on the same sheet. If you're going to change something, don't change one part. Make a system. You know, I kind of, that's why I kind of liked what Glenn was doing. And I'm not sure how well it's kind of translating out there in the LE world. I know it's resonating with some, but the Seekins, the SP10M. You know, it's yeah, it's a little bit more money. It has a maintenance package with it. But it's a closed system. It's designed to work. Put your scopes on. Get it modern. Get people up to speed. I'd rather, you know, that's the, that's, think about what Glenn was doing with that. If you go watch my videos on that SP10M, not only is he set screwing and locking elements and components and barrels into place, he is loctiting them down so you can't go in and take it apart. You'd actually wreck it to try to re- remove it because it has to be a tactical system and be bulletproof. And I don't know if it's a stigma from military versus law enforcement. We've already crossed that line. You're already seeing NRAP, MRAPs on a street because you can get them surplus and a city can pick them up. Okay. This is that we, we, we already blew that visual. So why are you letting them down and going with this like $550 rifle with this, you know, a scope you probably couldn't pay $250 for today? I get it. Back in 92, it, it was $1,200, $800. But it's not worth $200 right now. It's It was 10x, underpowered, the whole thing. You name it, it's in that. That these guys who are who are basically tip of the spear in your wilderness, in your frontier, are using circa 92 to 96 equipment. Crazy, man. Just crazy. 
and they're seeking out good training and they're being limited by that equipment. I mean, we did the qual and, you know, one AR was a little better than the other. The other one was a little off and it's like, uh, to me, it should be like a, a, a two inch qual, you know what I mean? Like a group of two. So do a two inch at a hundred. That'll cover your your AR platform and your bolt gun platform. Six inch shoot and see at three. Okay, that's that's for lack of a better term, that's a headshot. Then, you know, you could do a eight by eleven, forty five percent ipsic at four. Then you can go sixty six at five, in full size at six, and it's something that's easily replicated it's easy to get you can get a two inch shoot and see you know you could do the uh, uh, so do a two inch at three or, or two inch at one you can even do a one inch dot you know what i mean they have it so let's just say one minute at one a two inch dot at two a three inch dot at three all from shoot and see you could do that or you could do two two three six so for 100 yards you could do a two 200 you do the three 300, you do the six for on paper. That, that's a good practical starting point for qual that should get all your guys into place. Yes, you could reduce it down to a one, but if you got a mix of equipment, new and old, semi and bolt, it covers both of them. Then, like I said, you got a 66 or 45, a 66, and a 100% IPSC. Money. That's golden, man. I mean, you can even just do on paper. Holy cow. People are. Jehovah's Witness just ruined my podcast thing. God dang it, man. They're coming to invite me to go to a Jehovah's Witness thing. I got no time for that. So, you know what I mean? And, and then lose my track. So, anyway, going to qual. E blah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's this it's a good qual for you guys. I mean, I think it's practical. 600, even on the military side, that's your personal danger space, right? So depending on what's going on, that's what you're trying to protect. You should own 600 yards and in. So that, um, to me, that's some good, that's great. If you're LE, and I get it, man. They all say our engagements are this, our engagements are that. But what is your personal threat space? What is someone's personal danger space? That's 600 and in. So if you take your qual to that distance, you can do a mix of equipment and still be in practical standard. You don't have to do the big giant K5 targets. I mean, you can, and you can make them all X-rings or headshots or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, I think it's a good... Like I, I would put out there even for a new shooter who's listening to this, a, a, a two-inch drill all the way out or two MOA drill all the way out. We need to come up with new terms for that and use it in mills, but we'd be a .3 and a .6, right? So if you put a two-inch dot at 100 and put five rounds inside that, a three-inch dot at 200 and put five rounds inside that, a six-inch dot at, six, at 300, and put all five in that. And then, you know, four out of five at four, four out of five at five, and go, you know, three out of five at six. That's a good qual. 
and and to me, it does the job that it's supposed to, and you can reduce it in half to practice is the nice part about it. Cause I, I get it, man. I've done these things. If you don't qual, you don't get to carry the weapon system or you don't get, you know what I mean? There's consequences to failing a qual. But to my mind, the consequence shouldn't be your equipment failed you. Hence you failed you, but that's not your fault, man, because it's getting handed down to you. You know, but I, 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 I'm really happy these guys are seeking out instruction. They're taking to that instruction well. They're working it. You know, they have all their stuff, but it's just they gotta get, um, they gotta get uh, th- that equipment nailed down, man. And I know it's pretty common. I don't know what the story is. Maybe, and you almost have to be careful. Some of the subject matter experts you're seeking out there, at a bare minimum, man, look at the. I don't know, man. It's so hard to go back. I mean, nowadays things have changed so much. But like I mentioned before, you know, like chassis systems. These are 700s and the stocks don't fit them. We ended up duct taping them a bunch and doing that. And the stocks are this HT, you know, HTG type McMillan. They're, they're not McMillan. Some of them were H&S and some of them were, you know, different to standard Remington, the PSSs. But a chassis system, it's adjustable for a new shooter. So you get a new guy on the team who's not the same as the old guy that left the team and you can adjust it. You know what I mean? And so like get a good barreled action, put it in a decent chassis and you have flexibility, you have upgradability, you have the ability to go in that and it's a barreled action. Barreled actions are, you know, not that expensive if you do it right. And you can spec out one that's a little heavier than the Remington, a little bit more solid. You know, you get a Defiance, like a something heavier than the Defiance. And you can go that way with a, with a decent barrel on it. It's going to be, it's trued up. It's a little thicker, can take the heat. You can put a 20-minute base on it. Make sure you guys put 20-minute bases. seen a lot of flats. And, um, you know... Then go for a little bit better. I mean, I think the Night Force scopes are about the best you're going to go when it comes to that. But you got to invest in the rings, too, because the rings matter. We've been harping on rings for like three years now, telling you guys we see problems with the rings. We see problems with the rings. I don't know what's going on in some other places, but if other people aren't talking about rings, bipods, and these things... They're not doing their job right. They're just letting you shoot and, you know, you're dumping rounds and getting hit on steel and they're patting you on the back. Because if you're not seeing this stuff, you're not bringing your training up to the next level because we're seeing it every day we're doing this. Okay? We're seeing it every single day. And it's like, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, we had it like ancient 10x bushnells that they don't even make anymore and stuff it's like wow wow this is like time travel man time traveling chinese to the nth degree because it's just so crazy man that these um these guys are are giving this stuff i don't know i don't know like i said i don't know which way to go to try to help educate or at least how to get your your commands your bean counters how to get your acquisitions to step up to understand 
Dude, this is not like a handgun, okay? I can give some guy a hand-me-down 1911, and it's still going to run. But it's across the room. You know what I mean? I can give you a 1996 Glock. It's still going to run because it's across the room. But now you want me to have a bolt-action rifle, and you want me to be a precision rifle guy, and the scope has an 89% tracking. 89. That's insane, dude. We're bitching about 2 and 3% being off. And we're here at 89. Holy cow, man. That's just crazy. Cray-cray. You know, and, and I would rather you say the model is like a M40A6. It's still a 700, but a good barrel, and it's in a chassis. Your M40A6... That's probably should be your bare minimum in a bolt action rifle. Like I said, that SIG 716 DMR with an adjustable back stock that will fit the shooter, all that stuff. Dude, put a law folder on it if you don't want it to be big. If you got to put it in a trunk or put it in a bag, put a folding system on it. They sell them. Law tactical, right? Put the folder on it. But it's... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of conflicted because like one of them, even the best guns out there on the range that we saw had 16-inch barrels. And this idea that you guys don't have to shoot that far so you don't need it in the porter. Come on, man. You guys are big. You work out. The, these dudes, every one of these guys was over six foot tall. They can carry a 22-inch barrel. 22 and a 308 is the sweet spot. It's the Houston Warehouse. 21.75 inches is optimal. 22 is the sweet spot for a 308 working gun. That is the optimal barrel length to get you everything out to 1,000 yards. Because here's the other thing. In training, that 1,000-yard shot is called confidence. Right? That's confidence. It's not practical. We're not looking to say, you know... Johnny on the job is going to shoot to, uh, you know, Mr. Bad Guy at a thousand yards. No, but in training, that's confidence because then the 400's a friggin' chip shot. See, my voice is gone. So, you know what I mean? That's a chip shot now. Now you have the confidence. Dude, I went, I went four out of five at 800. Five out of five at 400 is nothing now. I went three out of five at a thousand. At 600, that three out of five is easy now. There's your qual. You know what I mean? You, cha- you you don't train up to the line and stop. You got to train beyond the line a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying we camp out there, but I'm saying we want guys to have confidence. And, you know, when you see their equipment fall apart and you can't even do that with half of them because their scopes don't dial, they don't do that, you know, whatever the case may be. That puts doubt in their equipment. That puts doubt in when they have to do their job. That doubt is something that matters. I mean, I don't know if I think I've told the story on the podcast. I did one with an LE guy. And I showed up to see what was up. He pulled out his equipment right out of the vehicle. We laid down and he was three quarters of an inch low and about three quarters of an inch to the left where his group was. I see your problem. I worked with him, but this was a confidence thing because there was some people that chipped away within that system that chipped away at his confidence. 
I focused 40 rounds with him. I had limited time. 40 rounds, worked on him, worked on him, everything. Okay, I got you. Good, dude, you're doing good. Everything's great. Hey, let's go back to 100 before you put your paper in there or your, your rifle in, in the, back in your stuff. His zero was back to normal. We didn't change his scope. We didn't touch it. And his zero came back because he was out of whack. He was out of position. Precision rifle is a mental game. Precision rifle is a mindset. When you have that ultimate confidence in your equipment, that's how a guy can drop it on a bag in a competition and not put his shoulder in it and still hit a target 600 yards away because he knows the gun will do it. That's how I do a demo with a rifle on a tripod and just put my two fingers on it, thumb on the back, trigger on, you know, and press it, and it hits a target. It's confidence in my equipment. So that's my takeaway, man. I But I want to say thanks, man. I had a really good class with everybody. We had a really good time. Um, it's just the, the, the social side of it, I got to start managing better. Like I said, my voice is gone. I was beat up a little bit with, with the back-to-backs. And, and it's just having fun with you guys, you know. And it's tough. You're, you're there. You start getting on a roll. And the next thing you know, you're not going to bed at 10. You know, you're going to bed at 12. And then you got to get up the next day because it's back to back to back to back. And it's like, oh, uh, I started at 6 and here it is at 12. Now I got to get up at 6. Oh, uh, boy, I hate that. But anyway, that's on me, not on you. But, you know, I'm just saying there, there, there needs to be a resource where you understand bare minimums for that job. And a bare minimum doesn't mean a $550 off-the-shelf rifle with circa 1996 scopes. Your scope matters, man. Your rings matter. You know, I, I'm fine if those guys are running a Harris. You know what I mean? I'll, I it, It's not optimal for them, but... You know, I'd rather see him with an Atlas or a Cal or a Thunder Beast and something like that because we do see a difference. It's just invest the money where it matters. And unfortunately, there's people that are specking stuff out for guys that are just subpar. You know, I mean, if you want that much flexibility, put it this way, Anchorage PD uses AIs. Okay, those guys have AI rifles. Because they understand, man, they're up in the winter and the cold and all that. If you need different barrels, get different barrels. Oh, want a 16? Pop a 16 on. Oh, you're going to go out? Put a longer one on. It takes one minute. You know? And and if the situation is, hey, tomorrow we got to go into an apartment complex. Okay, put the 16 on. You know, tomorrow you're going to go out into the field. Okay, put the 22 on. You know, there's, there, there's that. But I mean, that I get it. It's more money. But holy shit, what is this worth? You know, what is that kind of money worth? Or that 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 effort, what you're doing? I mean, think about like the lawyers that work for these, you know. The, think about all the other people in a city or a state, even a federal, their infrastructure. I don't know what your word I'm looking for. The administrations, I guess. Look at who gets paid what in administration and which guys are on two-way ranges and which guys are in a cushy office. You know what I mean? And there should be some consideration that that guy doesn't need 
the fanciest computer on the planet. And I guarantee your guys get brand new computers every year, right? They're not sitting there using uh, 2002. What's the oldest computer you probably have that's operating on a desk? If your equipment is older than that, you're wrong. That's the best way to put it, I guess I could put for you. If your rifle system is older than that computer system in your administration, then you need to go freaking pull their computer off and give them a fucking DOS system. You know? Go let them type out and freaking longhand it. Because that's not happening. We know it's not happening. And, and unfortunately, they'll turn around and tell you budgets and this and that, but that motherfucker got a new computer. You know, it's crazy. And I, like I said, I don't blame the guys on the street. I'm not trying to say it's not that. I know it's way over your head. But my thought would be, how do we frame the conversation? How do we get you up to an acceptable 2019 level? Dude, it's 2019 and these were using 1996 rifles and equipment. 2019, do the math. Crazy, man. It's just cray cray. All righty, guys. Um, yeah, I'm going to get going. I'll throw you another one. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot more to talk about. Uh, I'm stacked up here. As you can see, my voice is gone a bit. I got a, uh, I'm in recovery mode right now. It's, it's, it's been a, um, it's been a great block of classes. Thank you to everybody. All the students were fantastic. All, you know, all, all across all three classes. Like I said, we didn't have the equipment issues. We didn't have any of the stuff to swap out in the, in, um, the, the civvy side of it. You know, nobody needed the APO this class. And so that's that's a good thing, man. You know, guys shot really well. We got the guys coming up from the lower 48, and and that's great to see. And we're, we're adjusting, man. We're talking about it. I got the new, I got new um, sheets in. I, I I've already modified my my fundamental eval sheet, so my new ones were here waiting for me when I came home. Because we're you know we're seeing different things. What's the condition of your turrets? Because a lot of you ain't resetting, resetting zero. Okay. So there, there's all that kind of stuff that we're adding and playing with. I mean, we're looking at this under a microscope. I invite every one of you, if you're not, if you want to put this in context, look at the pictures Jim took. They're posted on Sniper's Hide. They're posted on Facebook. We had Jim comes in. Jim was a student of mine in like 2002. 2005 down in Texas and so Jim's got has part-time up in Alaska and he shows up and he teaches or not teaches he uh takes pictures for us the pictures are there look at the attention to detail we always have somebody on you that's why we see this stuff other people aren't talking about okay because we're on it and because we're not talking to guys with the latest and greatest, where yesterday they were six millimeter Creedmoor, today they're six Dasher, tomorrow they're gonna be six GT, and then they got a new barrel, a new stock, and a new thing every new season. We're not talking to those guys, okay? I'm not talking to the guy that's sponsored, who, who's dropping 10 grand on his PRS comp gun, okay? Think about that. These guys are shooting a season of PRS and they're dropping mega, mega dollars, but you got war fighters out there. Or, you know, enforcement guys. And 
96. Wow. Just wow, man. Really crazy. But it, it goes back to reaching out to some subject matter experts, finding what's there. Hey, maybe we could do a swing and say, hey, listen, Knight's Armament is X amount of money. If you wanted a Mark 11 on your team, Mark 11 is going to cost you, what is it, like seven grand or something like that? Maybe a little more? Okay, give them a, a, a proposal with a Mark 11 on it. But then give them another one with a SIG. Say, here's the spread. We can do a SIG at 2400 bucks or whatever it is. We could do like a JP or something at 35 Seekins is around 42 or something in the SP10M, right? Or 38, I think it was, with the, the maintenance package. Or we could do a Knight's Armament. That solves our three AR packages, our, our AR-10 types, and choose one. Don't let some idiot go, but wait a minute, that 16-inch Rock River at $899 on sale at Sportsman's Warehouse is not the answer. That's not a work gun. We got to separate a work gun from a recreational gun. We got to separate old work guns, new work guns. Chassis, stocks, what's the benefit? So that's that's kind of where I am. And and, and I, I, I do know a lot of you guys are out there seeking some professional instruction. And, you know, there needs to be testing and training that exposes the weaknesses in the system when they come up. You know what I mean? Why we tall target tested the scopes because we noticed they weren't responding. If your scope... If you dial that thing out to a grand and then back and then check zero and it's off, you got a problem, okay? And that's not a you problem. That's an equipment problem. And that's something we see a lot. We always do that. Every class, we dial them out, we bring them back. We dial them out, we bring them back. Is your equipment repeatable? Okay, it's not. What could be the root causes? Could be the rings. Could be the scope, okay? Odds are it's not a bolt-action rifle that's really falling down unless the barrel's burnt out. You know, it could be a case of that. All these guns had original barrels on them. Who knows how many rounds are through it. But you gotta have a system in place to know that can then go back with hard data to say, put it in an Excel spreadsheet. Go on that guy's fancy new computer that he has Tell them to run it in Excel and say, run all these numbers in Excel for me. I was supposed to do this, and this is what it did. It's this many percent off. I'm supposed to do this, and this is what it did. It's this many percent off. I have an eight-man team, and six of them are over 10% in error. Time for new stuff, man. You know what I mean? So now you have hard data. And, and I just really, I, have, I, find, I find it hard to believe you can't do like a bust. And grab a little bit of cash out of the bus because they all do. I mean, especially down when we were looking at the routes down there, you know, they're they're pulling cars over going south. They're not pulling a lot of them up over going north because they know the cash is going south. Go buy some new stuff, man. You know, put it on a program that says every six years we need to upgrade something, whether it's the scope, barrel. I mean, it could be that. It could be every six years. I want a new barrel and I want a new scope because that's going to change huge. 
And, and yeah, it's an uphill battle. And yeah, I probably don't know your system as much, but you got to fight for it because it's your life, not theirs. That asshole sitting in front of his computer, you know, ripping on whatever. He ain't worried about it, but you should be because it's the thing in your hand. You know, I guarantee, man, I'm telling you, they got new computers and that maintenance guy has the best fluke machine to check his meters, check this. He's got all the stuff to keep that AC running. Especially you guys down south. Go go yank some tools from your maintenance worker and go break the air conditioning and see how fast those people call up. Hey ma'am, our air conditioning don't work. Here you got an optic and you and you and you got a tap dance to figure out, hey ma'am, this optic don't work. It's only tracking to within 89% of actual. It's not returning to anything. Then go pull the plug on the AC. See which one gets the most attention crazy i don't know i'm on a rant man all right guys i'm out have a great one i'm gonna kind of clean up my freaking interruptions witnesses anyway world's most successful bigfoot hunter signing off